This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Feather and Fur segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Join me, Brad Hurlebus, as we sit around the campfire with this week's special guest to talk hunting, dogs, traditions, and all things outdoors. Hello, podcast world. I get to say welcome back for the first time, being that this is episode two of Feather and Fur. Tonight, we have an excellent guest on, Lauren Preston, who we're going to be talking, hunting, her experiences, her destination trip she did this past year, and some exciting memories from that. So here we go. Let's just bring her right on. Miss Lauren Preston, how are you tonight? I'm good, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be a good show. We have a lot to cover. Well, we do, but we don't. We can go however, cover however much we want to. So um, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? All right. So as Brad introduced me, my name is Lauren. I'm from Wisconsin, uh, born and raised from like the Manitowoc area, Northeast Wisconsin. And um, I'm currently living in Milwaukee. I go to school full time. I'm going to dental school to get my DDS and should graduate in May, hopefully. COVID kind of uh, changed my plans a little bit with all that. So hopefully I'll be done on time. But yeah, I'm from the area and hunt around Wisconsin and I'm looking forward to being on the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, I'm also a Wisconsin local. We met, I believe, at, it's not the Madison Turkey at Deer Expo anymore. What is it called now? Now it's, it's the um, field and stream something, That's isn't it? it? 
Yeah, Field and Stream something or another. I don't know. COVID canceled it. I think it only happened one year with a new name, so I don't feel bad for not knowing. But we met at the DSG booth, and you were you're part of the team of the DSG team, um, mm -hmm. hunting and fishing, correct? Part of their ice team as well? Yeah, correct. So um, they currently have hunting, ice fishing, um, regular open water fishing, and then snowmobiling. So yeah, I'm lucky enough to be on the hunting side, which is where I started when they opened or brought out their hunting line. I think it was four or five years ago now. And um, I actually knew a girl who was on their snow team and she was nice enough to message and reach out to me when they were opening their hunting line and asked if I was interested. So I've been with oh, them. Nice. Yeah, I've been with them for like the last four years and uh, I've gotten a lot of awesome opportunities through them too. So I really can't thank them enough for giving me the opportunity to be part of the team. For those out there that don't know, DSG is a women specific clothing line for hunting for ice fishing open water fishing but they got their start with snowmobiling clothing yep yep so they definitely know how to make warm clothes and they're actually also um from wisconsin they're based out of originally oregon wisconsin near madison and then um they just actually moved to madison they got a new um like office main warehouse area very nice that's pretty much my backyard uh-huh what got you started in hunting? I mean, we can tell already hunting's your passion. I mean, you can just hear that little like pick you up in your voice when, when that word's mentioned. So where did you start? What what started you? Like, are, are you, in, did you start at a really young age? Were you an adult and picked it up on your own? Yeah, I, uh, I started at a really young age. So I was lucky enough that my father introduced me to hunting when I was little. Um, so I started shooting a bow at like four years old, I think it was. And- okay. uh, kind of just went from there. I mean, it's, I knew it was always something that I love to do. Me and I actually have a twin sister. So we did a lot of it together. And um, yeah, I shot in archery competitions when I was little. Um, we actually have a picture that you're willing to share uh, with us. That's little Lauren. She's like six years old. That was at one of my, um, it was a, like a fun shoot or whatever. And I think that's actually... I did pretty good in most of them. I don't want to brag, but I did pretty nice. good. Trophies Very at nice. home. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, Trophies and ribbons. Uh, yeah, you can see I'm sporting the old aluminum arrows with uh, feather fletchings. And that's my dad who's kind of cut off in the picture too. So like I said, he got me started and he's kind of been my, um, like the passion behind it all. So he loved to do it. And he passed that on to me and um, that was always some of my favorite memories was going hunting with him at a young age. And yeah, it's just, it's a really cool thing that we can still share um, those memories and make new memories. Now, like we just went pheasant hunting a couple weeks ago and I'm hoping once I'm done with school, we can maybe plan some hunts together. And yeah, a lot of my favorite memories definitely include him in it. <laughs> so was he taking you along to the deer blind at a young age then packing you in, packing you out? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we went a couple times when I was younger. I probably wasn't very quiet and wasn't a good hunting partner, but hey, that's what it's all about. So um, yeah, I went with him. And um, then at 12, I got my hunting license and started going by myself. But I still remember the first year I shot was with him. And uh, I actually felt really bad afterwards, funny enough. Like I called my mom and my mom's not 
a hunter, just my dad is. And she actually asked if I felt bad about it. And uh, I kind of did. But hey, that's, I mean, that's kind of what hunting's all about, though. Like, there's always going to be a little bit of remorse when you harvest an animal. And I still feel that a little bit. But um, I guess who doesn't, right? <laughs> oh, I absolutely feel it. Um, my niece, who's 16, shot her first buck this year, her first deer ever. And it was a buck because she that's waited for cool. a buck. Okay. And, and I remember I went, I ended my hunt early. That was Saturday evening. So she got hers right around the four o'clock ish. So light was starting to fail. So I decided I'm just going to end my hunt. I want to go get pictures, especially when the sun was setting, get those like really good money pictures, you know? So I'm like, whatever. I've shot deer before. I can skip the, my whole first opening day was a mess anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I was not invested at that point. But yeah. So I went over there and, and like, you could tell like she was like shaking. I'm like, you okay? She goes, kind of feel bad. And I'm like, that's all right. Like that's, that's part of it. I mean, you just took a life. I mean, that's nothing to just blink an eye at. I mean, it, it's a big deal. They're beautiful creatures. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's an emotional experience. It, it is even, I, I still even get a little shaken up like every time, like only from like, you get the adrenaline rush, like before the shot, like, okay, we're going to do this. And like everything kind of like, just, you kind of get that little bit of tunnel vision, try to fight it off, try not to get shaky. And then like afterwards, you just kind of like, like you get to take that little break and think about what just happened and like the whole experience from start to finish and mm -hmm. knowing that you just took a life, but that it's going to feed you and your family and it's fresh, healthy meat. I mean, it's just the whole experience is one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I still feel that way every time I, I harvest an animal, especially deer. I definitely have buck fever. Um, sure. But I always tell people, like, when you when you don't feel that anymore, I feel like you shouldn't be hunting because you're not really in it for the right reasons. Like, you should get excited every time that happens. Absolutely. Um, Shaking I'm like a leaf this year, like when I saw my buck. <laughs> <laughs> sure i can yeah. only imagine i mean that's a beautiful buck i mean that was a, your archery buck from this year which we'll get to that that was a that was a gorgeous buck thank you yeah i was super pumped it was my biggest so far it's far bigger than anything i've i've shot that's for sure with gun or a bow i mean that's a gorgeous deer thank you Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So archery or gun, Let, let's archery rifle. What, where, where are you, where are you going to spend your time if you have the choice? Um, definitely archery. Okay. I used to be more into gun hunting just cause I feel like that's easier to get kids into obviously. And that's kind of what I, I mean, I shot a bow since I was little, but I first got into bow hunting, I think four years ago now. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, so before that, it was mainly just gun hunting, and I loved it. And I, gun season was my favorite time of the year. And uh, but now that I started bow hunting, it's just not the same. You know, you can actually sit out in the stand, and you have a lot more natural movement, and you see more deer. Especially, I hunt a pretty 
high pressure area of Wisconsin for um, like where I grew up. And uh, bow hunting is just, it's a whole different ball game and it's a way bigger challenge and it's, it's addicting to put it simply. Is it the challenge that drives you or the less pressure, like knowing you have less people to contend with? Is that a big part of it? Knowing that, I mean, you hunt mainly public land. Do you, are you a hundred percent public land? No, not a hundred percent. Okay. Mm-mm. But for the most part, you're chasing a lot of your, a lot of your deer on public land. So I completely get that trying to like, that's what, where I started in archery was to try to avoid people. It was try to get back farther than others would. That's why I used a canoe. That's why I use a kayak. I use different means to access parcels from different areas. Also trying to use that pressure to push deer to me, mm-hmm. you know, natural deer drives at that point, right. uh, wake up earlier, get there first and let them just push everything right towards you. Yeah, that is, that's pretty much the name of the game for us when it comes to hunting. I do a lot of hunting with my fiance. And um, so he actually got me into the whole public land hunting thing. And um, it's, it's a lot different. Like I said, I, I grew up private land hunting, like I feel like most people do. And, and so like when I got into bow hunting, it was, I would say it was not really the pressure that got me into it, but more of the challenge, you know, I wanted something new and to see how different it was. But um, yeah, so uh, we do a lot of public land hunting. Like you were saying, we try and get back as far as possible and kind of use the other people to pressure the deer in. And that's kind of where we get a lot of our success from. Like you said, using a canoe or kayak, I've only done that once in Iowa. I wasn't hunting, but my fiance was hunting. So it was still kind of a really cool experience, but I would definitely like to try that more. I bet that's super fun. It is. It brings its own challenges because depending on how wet the area is, now you're wearing waders, you're packing in your clothes, you're packing out your clothes, but you can access areas from different angles, which is really what I find key. So there's a marsh that I have been scouting, which I haven't had a chance to hunt yet, but the way I can come in pretty much the only other way to get to this peninsula, which is really what it is, is to push everything towards it. Like there's no way. And then you have super high traffic and like basically deer highways that run the edge there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you have this perfect natural funnel basically. And the only way for anyone else to get there is to push it towards the water. And then once they hit the water, they don't, they either have to go left or right either. I guess that's kind of a flip of a coin. They can come towards me or away from me, but either way, they're pushing all the deer in my direction. Yeah, access is key. It's also easier. I mean, depending on the public land, some of them, depending on how waterways work, it just gives you a completely different option for accessing land and quietly and extremely quietly. And the biggest key I find to using like these small boats and even like John boats. I know people that use John boats on slightly bigger rivers is, you don't get that scent intrusion because now you're coming in from the water mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about covering your scent if you're hiking in a mile, mile and a half, depending on how much you're going to work into it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, um, I've learned a lot from my fiance through hunting and stuff. And he's taught me a lot about, I mean, one of the first things we do is we'll look at a plot map and we kind of decide on um, if it's a new area. First off, like, is it can we get away from people when we're hunting there? And then once we find that, we try and decide, okay, what's the best, best access. And then 
we try and find, like you were saying, some of those funnels or natural pinch points, you know, along waterways or ravines or whatever. That's kind of our whole game plan when we do it. And that's really what I think sets aside, like that makes you successful on public land is putting that time in, scouting the areas, using the different maps at hand. I mean, you have Onyx, you have the Wisconsin, Wisconsin has the Hunt Wild app that shows public properties. And yeah. then if you start looking at like top like you have topographic map, I mean, you put, you can do a lot of internet scouting before your boots even hit the ground to finish off that last piece of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use that a lot for out-of-state hunting, too. Um, sure. Mainly because if you're going somewhere for the weekend that's 10, 12 hours away, you kind of you need a good game plan before you leave because you only have you know, a certain amount of time that weekend to go and spend scouting. And we, we put in our fair share of walking miles and miles. But we do – I should say my fiancé does more of the scouting on the on base map or Onyx or whatever we're using um, before we go. Perfect. Let him do all the work. I, yep. I, I get that. Uh-huh. Um, so you you mentioned a couple times now out of state hunting. Mm-hmm. How much how much time do you spend in Wisconsin compared to traveling? Do you think do you is Wisconsin your main stomping ground still? Or are you trying to expand your horizons to the west? I know you mentioned Iowa, but like mm-hmm. is elk on your radar or? Yeah, definitely. So I don't really hunt out of state too much only because I'm still in school and my time's a little limited. If I could take off, I definitely would, but I unfortunately can't. So um, if I do hunt out of state, usually I'm not the one with the bow or the gun. I'll be with my fiance this year. Um, He hunted in Kansas and I went along a couple times for scouting and I didn't get to hunt with him this year, but um, like last year we went to Iowa and I got to spend some time with him during the rut in Iowa, which was crazy i don't know why everyone doesn't move to iowa (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like you said elk's definitely on my radar uh as soon as i'm done with school i would love to plan so many more hunts i just don't have the time or or money for it right now so that's that's the hardest part i know it's 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 a challenge but you gotta love it so this fall I think we're going to try and maybe like this next fall, I think we're going to try and maybe do an elk hunt out in Colorado or something, something that's do it yourself that we can buy a tag over the counter um, that we can kind of plan for last minute sort of deal. Sure. Mm -hmm. Get a little, get some, do your internet work, try to find a couple areas that have over the counter tags that has a higher success rate because all that's listed. I, I started planning some of this stuff. And then you can kind of play it by weather too, especially if you're driving. I mean, if the weather turns and looks terrible and you're not that committed to it, you could always have a plan B to go somewhere else or. Right. Yeah. I think we're going to maybe go out there and do some shed hunting in end of March, April, sometime around then and like do some scouting and then maybe see if there's some areas that we want to try and hunt in fall and, as much as I would love to go with the bow, I think if we go, I'd prefer rifle hunting just because it'd be our first time. And I've I've never hunted out west, so I'm a total newbie at all of that. So I, I need some help and need to probably give it a go a couple times before maybe I'm even successful. Yeah, I've not made it out west. I've talked to people who hunt out west almost yearly. And depending on how you want to do it, I mean, yeah, it, it's completely different. 
and just like the terrain, the elevation, all of that combined into one, um, access, not issues, but just like some of those hikes are pretty deep in there. Um, and then packing out an elk, which that is not a small animal by any means. <laughs> uh, even like packing because one of the most daunting things for me is, um, I mean, I just some of the people I follow on social media who are big, uh, big game hunters and stuff, all the things that they have to pack in the list. And I'm an overpacker and you can't really have extra weight because you're carrying it all. So I think that's probably the most daunting thing. Packing out an elk would be a great problem to have, but figuring right. out all the stuff you're going to bring with, that's another problem. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I've done a little bit of backpacking, which kind of helps me have an idea of how much I really need and how often I can rewear the same pair of pants and the same clothing over and over and over before I have to change. Um, <laughs> but you have the changing weather conditions in the mountain, which makes it even more difficult because, I mean, you could get snow randomly or like you could have a big temperature drop in snow and or driving rain with wind. I mean, it's just all those different variables to pack for. Where that's where I would be like, where do I start? And is the clothing I have even good enough? Oh yeah, I would be worried about that the entire time. Mm -hmm. So let's talk. Let's talk some 2020. Let's talk how your season went in 2020. We had a crazy season. I always say we because I do most of my hunting with my fiance. I don't know. We just love to do it together and. This season we filmed, so we hunted pretty much together the whole season, which was really fun, actually. I've always been a solo hunter, but okay. all these bits are so much better when you have somebody sitting with you and you can talk, all, like whisper all day. So much better. Um, but it's got to make it's got to make that sitting all day long far easier if you're um, if you have someone to sit with and talk to, even whisper. I mean, that way there when you're not seeing deer. It's not that driving boredom that I fight because I fight that personally. I'll be sitting there and I'll just be like, I don't want to play on my phone. But if I don't play on my phone, I'm going to leave because I, I just can't sit here forever oh, yeah, and see nothing. It's so hard just to detach from your phone. I'm, I'm so guilty of being on my phone while I'm hunting, which is something I should probably work on. But <laughs> Um, yeah, it's great having somebody hunting with me. It passes the time so much faster. Plus, he can help carry my stuff in, which is also great. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. How, we already know you were successful. How did filming your hunt change how you hunt? Because you said you started filming this year. So Yeah. So we um, we have been filming this year for um, Whitetail Addictions, which is kind of through uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. And I would be the first to say that we're really not good filmers because we get so wrapped up in the hunting and that's our main goal. Obviously our main goal isn't to film. Like if I had a buck walk by me at dark and it's too dark for the camera, there's no way I wouldn't shoot it just because I couldn't get it on film. So sure. it was a whole new challenge and it was really interesting to do it, but I don't think I'll ever be a good filmer and I don't think anyone's ever going to really hire me to film because yeah, I'll work on that, but it was cool. It uh, allowed us to review our hunt a lot. Like we watched and played back. Um, for example, I, I missed a pretty good buck at the beginning of the season and um, 
it allowed us to play that back and watch the film and, you know, see, I just clipped his brisket. I should maybe tell the whole story, but we uh, found a new public land spot and we were, we hiked it and scouted it. And we like, first off we thought, Oh, this is awesome. This place looks killer. We're definitely going to kill a buck here. And it's a 2.2 mile walk into the stand and it's, rolling ridges the entire time so it was it was pretty tough and we didn't really hunt it right away um so we hunted it probably i think it was end of october we went in and um so we set up our hang-ons and we cozied in for the day and i had three does come by and they were all kind of on edge and um i kept like they kept looking back, so I was looking to my left, and all of a sudden, here comes a buck running along the same path that they were, and I hit Jake and told him there was a buck coming, and he was cruising, and I hardly had time to grab my bow, and it should have been a chip shot. I was 27 yards, and we were kind of facing down into a bottom that we set up along, and uh, he came cruising by, and I tried to stop him, but it was so windy that day that he must have not heard me. So then um, I yelled again and he stopped, but he was quartering hard away. And I thought he was going to kind of follow the does right down into the bottom. So I rushed it and it was totally my bad, good learning experience, I guess. But I shot right underneath his brisket and I kind of just barely clipped him. So he did a big mule kick and I thought I, I thought I hit him just from his reaction, but I didn't think I hit him well, if anything. So being able to play back the film definitely helped us. Um, and I could see my arrow and there was just some white hair there. And we tracked him for a little bit, but there we didn't find any other blood or we found a little bit more hair. So really nice I, buck, probably like a 140 inch buck on public land. That's, that's land. I mean, that walk out that night was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been there. I know I, I had a really nice buck, the buck I'd been watching on camera for the entire season come out chasing a doe and it just, I was sitting in my tree stand and um, I was kind of trying to film myself, kind of trying to do a solo film thing. So I had a camera on the bow and I was trying to get the camera turned on on the bow and I had a camera clip to the stand to try to face me. And I was trying to get that turned on and the fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Buck was watching me the entire time, but it was the doe never saw me. And he just kept like the doe would walk and had no idea I was there. The buck would look. And he knew I was there, but the doe would keep walking. So he just put his head right back in her, right back behind her tail, and just then he'd look up. And <laughs> I was trying to get my bow in position. And that I rushed the shot. I just rushed it. I mean, I had more time than what I thought I did. And this was like 12 yards. And I, I shot low. I shot under it. Same situation. I had enough on video. Like I could see I hit brisket. I mean, there was no vitals there for sure. And I remember that feeling afterwards, like, A, I rushed it and it's my fault. I just wounded this deer. Like that hurt. Like that was like, 
Like I almost did, like if I wouldn't have seen that buck on camera, trail camera, about two weeks later, I was seriously debating on just punching my buck tag because I'm like, I, 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 if it's not if it's dead laying there, like that's my deer. Like I'm not gonna go shoot another one. Oh, that's such a crappy feeling. Yeah, I don't know how you self film. I don't know if I could ever self film. I can't even. I have a Tacticam on my stabilizer. I can't even remember to turn it on before I shoot. Like ever, not once. <laughs> <laughs> and that's only one button we just had tacticam on the show about four weeks ago on the og show and he talked about all the different models and that's only one button you have to press it does everything oh, yeah. for you. super easy i just i get so into it i just don't even remember yeah it's got to be a conscious thing and i wouldn't say myself my filming is great it, it's kind of a mess my camera like because I'm using basically fixed focus non-zoom cameras. Because like when I'm solo, I, it's I can't try to zoom in at the same time. So I kind of pick pick a point and like it's kind of grainy because I'm trying to like digitally zoom it in after the fact and things like that. But it's still cool to be able to like go back and watch what you did, even if it's not great. Even if other people look at it and they're like, "Man, like who gave this guy a video camera? Like this is garbage. Like who, who wants to watch this?" But I mean, for me, I mean. I just posted up one just posted on Instagram of my 2018 gun buck. And I mean, it's kind of it's grainy. It's kind of hard to see what actually happens. But like to me, like instantly I'm back in that moment watching this deer come down the ridge and just come like right into one of my shooting lanes. Yeah, that's so cool. I actually just watched that today. Did you? <laughs> yeah. That's like my second reel ever. I'm trying the reels because I don't know. It seems like it's the popular thing. And I figured with a new podcast, let's try to get some exposure in some different ways. So nice. I like it. We'll, we'll jump on the bandwagon. Um, yeah. I, I, editing the video is the easiest part, but trying to pick the right song. Like, I, I'm like, uh, oh, like what song should I pick? I don't know. I'm listening to like a hundred songs to try to finally find one that fits the video. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I editing is another thing too. I something that I'm just not good at, especially when you have a whole season worth of footage that you're trying to put together and like organize. And I'm not even the one who's going to be editing. We we send it in, and uh, they're going to edit it for us to make the final episode or whatever. But still, I've been going through those, and it's been kind of makes my mind just spin all the work that goes into doing that. <laughs> So you said episode. So is it going to be one episode on this show that kind of follows your entire 2020 season then? Yep. Yep. So we'll have uh, my archery buck that we got on film. And then um, Jake also had his Kansas buck that he shot on film. So we're just going to compile kind of all of our stuff together. And we had some, we had some pretty cool encounters with some really nice public land bucks this year. Um, Besides the one that I missed, that we just didn't get an opportunity at, so sure. So I'm excited to see it. When's that going to come out? Um, I think they said sometime this next summer. I think they put all, right. all the people on the staff, like their episodes, together and kind of make their own, um, like I said, episodes for each person. Sure. Yeah. You got to go through production and everything. So mm-hmm. I will for all the for everyone who is listening and tuned in, which thank you for le- making it 28 minutes so far into podcast too. Um, I will make sure to stay in touch with Lauren here. And if you follow me on, if you follow the paddle and pin pin page on Instagram or Facebook or the 
Feather and Fur. I just created its own Instagram account. I will make sure to post a link to when that episode is up for Lauren. So that way everybody watching can like tune in and watch how her 2020 season went. Thanks. Don't judge. I think there's a lot of swearing in it. <laughs> ah, that's all right. We try to keep this PG-13. Try yeah. to. Some at least it'll be worth it. So, let's talk about your archery book. Let's hear it. How to start? Like we're like what? Like I want to hear the whole day. How to go? So we. This was. Um, Here we'll make it better. We're gonna we're gonna throw this bad boy up on the screen. Um, <laughs> for those who are not able to see this. You should probably at least jump onto YouTube. I mean, we're, what are we? We're 29 minutes in to kind of give you a, a chance to just jump right in and take a look at this beautiful buck. <laughs> yeah, I was super fortunate, but I was like pretty bummed after I missed that other really good buck. So I kind of felt, was feeling the pressure, but uh, we were, we we're still hunting hard and we had some really great encounters in late October, early November, um, on public land. I mean, a couple, just one really big buck, I'd say probably like one fifties. Um, and they all just say just out of range for me, which I mean, 50, 60 yards for anybody's would be a poke with a compound bow, but yeah, it was, we had a, such a good rut, like rut action on public land. I mean, it's so hit or miss. So sure. it, I was feeling pretty lucky either way. I had some of the best sits I've ever had, but um, we have a buddy who got us on this buck. He had trail cam pictures of him, And I think he had some pretty recently of it. And he's like, Oh, you should go hunt them. So um, we kind of got together game plan and we uh, went in early and thankfully this wasn't a far walk. So we went in and it was along um, a Creek, and it was kind of like a, an oxbow and it's really nice bedding in there. And it made a really perfect like funnel right in front of the stand. And uh, I can see why he came through. It's a perfect rut spot. So I think it was, it was 7am uh, opening was 630 maybe. So we hadn't even been in the stand long. And uh, I thought I heard something and then Jake tapped me and he said, there's a deer coming and it came from straight behind the way I was facing. So I couldn't really see and then Jake said, shooter. So I grabbed my bow and I realized I didn't have my rangefinder on yet. I mean, it was only a half hour after opening. Sure. Which I had that on, but I could kind of look over my right shoulder past Jake and I saw the buck and I knew it was a good buck and he was walking almost straight away from us. So I was like digging in my pack quick, trying to grab my rangefinder. And this buck, you could tell a hot dog almost went through his nose to the ground. And he uh, was sniffing around for the longest time. And it was really cool being able to watch him. I mean, he was doing like the flaming response, like curling his lip. And really, he just turned on a dime and starts coming right at us. And so I grabbed my, finally had my range finder and I was picking a couple spots and I actually felt super calm. And it's funny because out of the corner, like I'm looking past Jake at this buck and I can see his knees are shaking because he was so excited, I guess. And, uh, he's filming and this buck is just coming on a string to us past the stand. And I think it was going to be about a 25 yard shot. And then he stopped and he turned walked straight towards the tree and then 
uh, went past us and it was 13 yards when I stopped him. So it was really up close and personal. And we didn't get the best kill shot of it because he kind of, Jake thought I was going to shoot him where he stopped. And then I let him take a couple more steps. But I stopped sure. him. And I, I shot and I thought I hit high immediately. And the buck spun and I could see my arrow sticking out almost all the way. And after missing a good buck, I was just so skeptical. Like my heart just sunk. I was so down, but he ran super hard away and we heard him crash actually. And, um, we sat in the stand for a while. I probably a good hour and a half. And that whole time I was just like, please, please, please. I hope this deer is dead. I couldn't like go through another heartbreak. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I know that feeling. Well, I, yeah. I do when you lose yeah. one deer and it's just like in that video of that 2018 buck that you saw just that 10 second clip. If I actually had the audio playing, you would hear me say, there's no way I missed. There's no way I missed. Cause it does that big mule kick and it takes off running and it. It only ran 50 or 60 yards, but I couldn't see it after 30 with the way it ran. And okay. I, I didn't hear a crash either. So and, and with a rifle, I mean, I shoot a 30 odd six. I shoot a very heavy bullet too. I think it's 185 grain bullet. Um, I'm like, there's no way I missed. There's no way. It was like, a th I think that's actually one of my bow lanes and it's 36 yards. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, there's no way I missed. Like I couldn't have missed. I, well, maybe I could have. I'm like, did I miss? There's no way I missed. And I just kept telling myself, there's, I couldn't have missed. I couldn't have missed. But the whole time I, I gave it about an, 45 minutes because I'm like, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I know that whole, I know that feeling well where you just doubt yourself a hundred percent. Like you just ruined it. Like you just messed up again. Mm -hmm. I know. I was like, I just blew a 13 yard shot, but I knew I didn't hit the shoulder. I knew I was far enough back, but I definitely thought I was high. But I mean, when you're, I think we were about 20, 21 feet up at 13 yards. I mean, you can hit pretty high and still get both lungs. So I was just right. praying. If my arrow would have had a pass through, I would have felt a lot better about it. But for whatever reason, I think it must have went in and hit, um, hit shoulder on the other side, and it must have just either kind of ricocheted back a little bit or something. But Jake thought I thought I killed them. I mean, like I said, we, he ran hard. His tail was down. You could tell he was hurting, and I just didn't know if where he crashed, if he stayed there, if he got up, I had no idea. So for an hour and a half, I sat there like sick to my stomach, freaking out. And uh, eventually we got down and uh, we were trailing. There wasn't really good blood at first, but then when he started to open up, you could see there was bubbles in it. So I knew I hit lungs and um, yeah, we went kind of followed it right to where we heard him crash and he was laying right there. It was only 80 yards. So, I mean, he was down and, I bet five seconds from the sure. time I shot. So obviously it was a good shot then. I mean, yeah. to run 80 yards, I mean, yeah, that's that's a – you can't get a much better archery shot, really. I mean – Yeah, I, I hit both lungs when we got at him. We looked, and um, it's not like I center punched him, but I got enough of both lungs that he obviously died pretty quickly, which is, you know, as an archer, that's always what you want. So it was just – it was such a – awesome, awesome moment, like redemption, you know, after missing that right. really good talk before. So it just, it was a day I'll never forget. That's for sure. And then having my fiance be there, you know, for the whole hunt, that was so cool being able to share that with him too. And then having on film to be able to go yeah. back and relive that. And not only that, to have it 
professionally produced by the time it's all said and done. Like, like you're going to have such an excellent episode to go back and look back on the 2020 season, you know, the year of the pandemic. And you have this just gorgeous archery buck on the ground in the snow. I mean, we had snow at this time already because yeah, we got that I, early snowstorm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I kind of cheated. So this that picture uh, for all of you who aren't watching, like he said, it's in the snow. And so the next morning after I shot it, it snowed. And I have a good friend who lives kind of close by where we hunt, um, like within two hours. So I, and she does photography on the side, like as a hobby. So I texted her and not that Jake doesn't do good photography, but it's kind of an art to work a DSLR camera. So I actually called her and asked if she would take some pictures. So I didn't shoot it in the snow, but I did get pictures right. in the snow, which turned out super cool. And I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I mean, to those listening, if you get a chance, jump on the YouTube channel just to take a quick peek at the quick peek at this picture. I will post this picture also on the Instagram page when we release this episode, so you will see it then as well. But if if, if you want to actually get a really good picture of the really good view, just jump on that YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was from start to finish though. Just I mean, you didn't have any time to think. I mean, it was like. You're getting get the stand. You're not even settled yet. And 30 minutes later, you have this shooter just right yeah. like 13 yards in front of you. I feel like that's kind of the best way that my hunts can go. Cause then I don't have time to think about it. I don't have time to be nervous. Um, stare at his rack for too long. You know, it, he just comes in and I made it happen. Thankfully. Congratulations. I mean, it's a great, I mean, even the story behind it, I mean, all of it just like, the, the, how fast on a straight, like the fact that you could like just watch it, how it was interacting with that doe scent. That's I've never been close enough to a buck where like that was that hot where you'd see it curl its lips and like, like that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. We definitely had some good footage of him before I shot. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. That's awesome. What else do you do in 2020? I haven't talked to you in over a year. I know, right? Um... <laughs> 2020s, I mean, for hunters, I feel like the pandemic was kind of a good thing because I got to spend so much more time outside and we actually had four or five months off school. Uh, so that was crazy. But like I said, I got to spend all this time outside and it was great. And um, so we actually went to Alaska in 2020 as well, which was one of the cooler things I did. Um, Very nice. His sister lives up in the Kenai Peninsula. So we went to go visit her and we did, we fished the Kenai for salmon. Uh, we went deep sea fishing. We caught these lingcod, they're called. And okay. they're like one of the best eating fish ever. They're, they're better than halibut in my opinion, but um, they really? are these giant prehistoric, nasty looking fish. And we drove two hours and 40 minutes out of the harbor that we left out of just to get to this fishing spot. So you're driving out into the Gulf of Alaska and then you're fishing in, I think it was 200 some feet of water. 
So you're throwing down this, yeah, for people who are throw, watching the pictures up. <laughs> well, fish are huge. How, I mean, what are they what? Five foot, four and a half feet long? Yeah, How long are they? I would say right around five, a little less. Yeah, a little less than five. And mine, the one that I'm kind of holding <laughs> is 60 pounds. And that's like, that's a big link cod. Um, the guy told us that was the biggest one he's seen. Really? But you, you're throwing these these jigs down, and it's like a two. I think it was two pound like lead jig. It's just crazy. So oh. you throw it over, and it, you're fishing in like 200 feet. And when you're when you're jigging this thing, I mean, I was putting my whole body into it. You kind of just shove the pole into your gut, and you're just bringing the whole pole up and down to jig. And when these things hit, it kind of feels like you just hooked a truck or something especially from that depth. It's so crazy. And then bringing it up is just, I wanted to throw up after I finally got it up to the boat. <laughs> well, how long was the fight then? I mean, how long that, how long did it take to get you from the 200 foot sea bed to the boat? Uh, it felt super long, but I think it was probably only 10, 15 minutes. They're not super hard fighters. It's not like a lot of the game fish we have around Wisconsin. It's kind of just like dead weight almost that you're trying to bring in. As long so as you it's like walleye fishing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that was just, that was an experience. And I get seasick too, but this made it all worth the while catching these huge fish. And then we actually caught some halibut too and some rockfish and we were fortunate enough to bring home, I think it was a hundred pounds of fish with us. So our freezer is stocked. Very nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. So what is it? You said it was one of the, one of the better eating fish you've ever had. What would you compare it to? Um, well, for people who've had halibut, I feel like halibut is a super nice fish that you pay a lot of money for at the grocery store or at a sure. restaurant. And I thought this is actually better than the halibut that we caught. Very nice. And I'm sure you ate plenty of it up there fresh. Oh, yeah. We we kind of had a wild game feast. So we cooked up the halibut, the lingcod, and the rockfish we caught along with uh, we went on a ptarmigan hunt. And for those who don't know, ptarmigan are similar to a grouse. They're like an Alaskan grouse. And uh, so we brought – we cooked all of these together. And uh, honestly, I think the lingcod was one of my favorites that we had that night. Very nice. Very nice. We actually have a picture of you out there. If this wants to cooperate and load, because for some of you, my computer keeps crashing. And every time oh. I try to open a picture, I get a black screen. So it's going really okay. well. Here we, here we go. Um, we'll throw a picture on of you two in the mountains, you and your fiance. Yeah. So we did a flying ptarmigan hunt to uh, Kenai National park and um so that you can see the float plane for people who are actually looking at the picture you can see the float plane on the lake that we landed on and uh so we hiked around in the mountains after they dropped us off and um my fiance's dad came along and he has a english pointer that he brought to alaska with us so we were hunting for these charm again and they're kind of dumb birds like it wasn't super hard hunting the terrain is what makes it really hard uh, it looks okay. like rolling green, like it'd be so easy to walk, but it's all uneven and there's rocks and there's all these drainages from the mountains around going down to the lake. So it was kind of hard to walk in and 
there's also there's bear crap everywhere. So all I kept thinking is like, I'm going to go through this patch of willows and there's just going to be a huge bear sitting there and, and my birdshot is not going to do anything for me. <laughs> so uh, because I'm a big bird hunter. I mean, that's my true passion. I don't, I don't archery hunt nearly as much as a lot of people do just because I'm behind, I'm chasing my dog through the woods in Northern Wisconsin for grouse. That's what, that's what I love. That's my passion. Um, did you get any birds? Yes, we, we shot a bunch of birds. Um, it was it was a blast. That was probably one of my other favorite things we did. And um, th- like I said, they're kind of dumb birds. They really are. Like they they group up, and I don't know if they always are grouped up. It, it might have just been the time of year we were there, but they were in bigger flocks. And uh, once you go up to the patch of willows or whatever that they usually hide in, you can kind of flush them all up. And it was it was easy shooting, but we also shot. So those are willow ptarmigan, and then we also shot um, whitetail ptarmigan. So they name them like based on the level of like the mountain they're at. Whitetail are okay. a little bit up the mountain, but not super high. And then there's also rock ptarmigan, which are really high up. They live way up in the mountains. So we hiked a good ways up some rock slides and up into the mountain to shoot one of these whitetail ptarmigan, but they they never get hunted. So like, they're just, they're really dumb. And I almost felt bad shooting one, but it's kind of an, it was for the experience, I guess, just to say sure. you did it up into these mountains and shot these birds. But yeah, the dog worked good. We shot some birds. Uh, you can't really ask for more than that. No, I mean, a fly and hunt with a dog chasing birds you that we don't have here. I mean, that that's like dreamless stuff right there. I mean, it's kind of funny because my first episode comes out this Friday and my guest was Jonathan Karch from Three Rivers Archery. And, and he actually also just got back from Alaska. So it's kind of, kind of a coincidence, both shows back to back. We talk about Alaska and he was actually hunting bear. Um, I think, I think you would probably enjoy that. Cause we talk about his bear, the paws and its nose are purple from berries. That's how much it was gorging on berries. So when you were talking about willows coming up on the bear, I just picture his bear and he was like, it's just gorging and just all these berries into its face. And that's kind of exactly what I thought of. Like, cause he shot his with a bow, uh, recurve bow. What did he say? 13 oh yards. No, 11 yards. Oh my God. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. There are berries everywhere though. Like you said, they, they, they must just fill up because all the piles of bear crap that we were seeing too, they're just full of berries and the whole tundra, it's just solid. Um, they're blueberries and older berries. I want to say, I don't remember if that's right or not, but we're actually eating them too. It was kind of our lunch out there. They were really good. Just walking around eating fresh berries, looking for birds to shoot. Perfect. I mean, you don't get a much better hunt than that, at least for me. Um, any plans to go back, you know, Maybe oh, maybe yeah. for a bear, maybe for a bear or blacktail. I think next time if we go back, I would love to go moose hunting or caribou hunting or maybe sheep, something like that. Something different, something completely unique to that area. Pretty. Yeah, yeah. The guide who took us in on the ptarmigan hunt, he actually shot um, a ram. I think it was that year or the year before or something like that. But it was actually right where we were ptarmigan hunting just up the mountain a little bit. And it was his by far his biggest ram. So who knows, maybe we could get lucky enough to go back and hunt in that area. Nice. Nice. So you got the hunting and the fishing and up there. What else happened in Alaska? Well, we got engaged in Alaska. So that was cool too. I was going to say. 
Congratulations. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure that had been just icing on the cake of that whole trip. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a dream engagement for a hunter. So it was pretty cool being, he did it on the ptarmigan hunt when we were in the mountains. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Very romantic. Shotguns on the shoulders. Perfect. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's exactly, that's you, that's you too, though. I mean, that, that's just you too. I mean, you go out hunting, you enjoy that together. I mean, that, that's like perfect. Yeah, it was definitely something I won't forget. Were you surprised? Did you know it was coming? Did you have any idea? Yeah, I definitely, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know when. I figured sure. he'd, he'd be kind of dumb not to do it on our Alaska trip because what better opportunity would you get? See, that? See that's where I might differ because then I'd be like, she's going to expect it here. I'm not going to do it. So then she's really thinking if I'm ever going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no one going to surprise me either, to be honest. But he carried my ring around in his uh, Sitka, like his zip pocket on his sleeve of his shirt during our ptarmigan hunt. Not in a box, not in anything, just in his pocket. And we were crawling through some of these willow patches and stuff and crawling up the mountain. So I'm... I was almost mad at him. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That's kind of like, like when I got engaged, um, we were up in Door County in Wisconsin, which um, my truck broke down. <laughs> so we're sitting on the side of the road and we were actually going to, I can't remember the name of the state park up there. And I was going to propose to her there, like on the beach at Door County, like right at the, it might've been Peninsula State Park we were heading to. And um my truck broke down and like it was dead in the water like my egr cooler failed it was overheating it was out of coolant I'm like well we're gonna need a tow truck I'm like I, I i can't carry this ring around like i have nowhere safe to put it and everything i need to take with me that's valuable has to get shoved in my pockets now i'm like you know what side of the road i look at her i'm like you think this is pretty she goes it's, it's beautiful so i just got down on my knee and gave her the ring right there right next to the broken down truck Oh my gosh. It's very memorable. I will say that. Hey, we go, we go by that little hillside the past couple of times we've been up there. I'm like, I remember this spot. <laughs> my truck broke down there. Oh, it is. It's so pretty up there. So let's, I got three questions for you. Okay. Now, this can either be your favorite place you have hunted or your dream place to hunt. I think we should do dream place to hunt. Like if you yeah. could go anywhere to hunt, what, where would you go? I, I think top of my bucket list would be New Zealand for red stag. That is just, I've seen pictures of some of the stags that they killed there. And that just blows my mind how big those stags are. So that would be a dream come true. I'm hoping maybe honeymoon or something like that. Oh, there you go. New Zealand's New Ze like, a cool place to I, hunt. Too. It seems like a gorgeous place to hunt. But even if I couldn't get there hunting, just the countryside and the um, just the like the what you can do like roaming around, like it just looks like a gorgeous country, even just to go visit. Yeah, and from what I've heard or know about it, you don't even need um hunting like you don't get tags to hunt specific species i think um you just can buy like a license like a general license and then you have like free roam because i think a lot of them are almost considered invasive species so you can really? kind of hunt whatever you want and they have millions and millions of acres of public land so it sounds like a dream you don't need a guide or anything there's no crazy rule like if you're going to have a gun in their country you have to have a licensed guide with you or as far as i know 
no, but I could be wrong on that too. I haven't looked I into it too much. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I know I would like to go visit the country. I know my wife would love to come with to go to New Zealand, not for the hunting, but just for the scenery and the mountains and the lakes and just mm -hmm. the entire like atmosphere. Yeah. Have you ever heard a red stag roar? On in person, no, but I, I've heard it on video. Yeah, that is just that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. So I couldn't even imagine like bull hunting for them and hearing that up close. I mean, it's kind of like an elk would be the same thing for me, I think. But a roar is just the weirdest yeah, I, sound. Yeah, I mean, even an elk bugling, I've never heard that in the wild. I mean, I've tried to find like the elk. I mean, we have a reintroduction herd. We have the Clam Lake herd. And then we have the herd around the Black River Falls area, the Jackson County herd. I've never actually stumbled into them when I've been in those areas. So even to be in the wild, now like especially hunting and then to have this is elk within range, just bugle. Like you see that in videos and it's just like, oh, I need to experience that at some point in my life. Sends chills. All right. Second question is, what is your dream species to hunt? Oh, that's a good one. I think, I think it'll always be whitetail, but different areas. All right. I don't know. I don't think I'll ever get sick of hunting whitetails. I really don't. Second up would probably be elk, though. Sure. So yeah. if you could chase a whitetail anywhere, where would it be? To keep going on that question. Uh, is Wisconsin, do you like it, Wisconsin? Mm, I love hunting in Wisconsin, but it's just we don't have as many big tracts of public land. And um, it's, I feel like it's so much more pressured and the hunting laws and stuff. I feel like we just don't grow as big of bucks. Obviously, there's huge bucks shot out of Wisconsin every year. But I don't know. Iowa's completely changed my views on whitetail hunting and I didn't even get to hunt there yet. I should hopefully get my um, archery tag in two years, but I think probably Iowa. Otherwise I would love to go to Saskatchewan and hunt whitetails. Very nice mm -hmm. to the great white North. Yep. Very nice. And then this is one, one this is one of my favorite questions because it's one of the biggest things to me and why I hunt. What is your favorite hunting tradition? Favorite hunting tradition? I would say as much as I love archery hunting, gun hunting is always what I think of when I think of hunting traditions. And sure. it's more so I think from growing up and uh, gun hunting was like the best holiday of the year for me. So we would always get together with my entire family on Friday night before opener. And you know, my parents would drink beer and we would eat snacks and hang out with my cousins and stuff. And I think that was always the thing I'll always remember about it. And still when we have gun season now, it's, it's I would say it's a little different. We don't get as many people together, but we always get together before um, gun season and hang out and drink some beers and talk hunting stories. So I would say definitely that. I agree. Gun, I mean, Gun camp, definitely. The, the gun tr hunting traditions there. I mean, that's a big part. Um, just to relive those experiences of past hunts, to talk about anything, any of the archery hunts. I mean, 
just that whole feeling of camp, the excitement, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, especially because everybody's got that excitement of they're going to see the biggest buck ever. Um, yeah. Or it's going to be everybody is super positive at that point. Nothing's like nothing bad has happened yet where it's like that you see that buck out of the corner of your eye and you never get a shot at it or something along those lines. I mean, it's just all that positive energy and everybody it's, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird vibe. It's a good vibe. It's a really good vibe, but it's different. It, the only time I ever get close to that is at grouse camp. Cause that's an annual tradition for us, which that one holds a little more dear to my heart just because the grouse is a yeah. little more dear to my heart, but it's something about camp. I mean, is there a specific tradition at your camp? Is there something you do every single time? Like for our deer camp, we pay an ode to, oh, no, I can't think of the name of the movie. We get up at 444. <laughs> Escanaba in the moonlight. Escanaba oh, in the moonlight. Okay. Um, they get up at 444 for deer hunting in that movie, and we do the same. We get up at 444. That's the magic time. Oh, that's funny. I, I'm sure there is like really little things. My fiance is super um, superstitious. So I feel like some of the things we do, they're probably, we do them every time, but I really can't think of like one thing in particular. Sure. Yeah. I'll have to think, I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I'm sure. Now you're going to pay attention. Now you're going to be sitting there that Friday night drinking beer. Like, what are we doing here? Like, we don't, we're not playing cards. We're just talking, we're hanging out, telling stories. Like, is there one thing we do every year? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like looking at you like, what is she doing? Like, wh why, why is she just sitting there staring at us? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That'd be like me sitting out by the fire at camp, just like watching everyone, seeing what they're doing. And like, someone's going to be looking at me like, what's with the creeper in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to think on that more. Well, who, how can people follow you? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have Facebook, uh, just Lauren Preston on Facebook. And then I also have Instagram. It's Lauren.Marie.Preston. Don't have Twitter. I don't know if I'll ever get Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I don't have it either. And it's not in my, it's not in my future. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um, who do you want to thank? I want to thank my dad for getting me into hunting. He's always been one of my biggest supporters and pushers to, you know, get me involved and keep me involved. And also my fiance, he, he pushes me to the limit with hunting. Like I've done so many things since I met him that I didn't think I would ever do or could do. So it's, it's pretty nice to have somebody there always pushing and being your biggest fan and supporter. So I really appreciate all of that. And I couldn't do it without either of them. It's always nice to have someone you can bounce ideas off of. Be like, I was thinking maybe we should try this. And they can look at you and be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Or look at you and be like, what are you thinking? Like, that's yeah. never going to work. <laughs> to tell you when your ideas are dumb. That's, that's also good quality. Exactly. Because not everything I come up with is a good idea. I can tell you that much right now. <laughs> uh -huh. Me too. Me too. Any final words you want to share? Anything else you want to say? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I had a lot of fun chit-chatting, talking hunting. It was great. It was a good time. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, listening in. Um, and until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn.
Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop, and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.